Chapter 47, Cerro, Colorado, Panama, Search for the Glow-Throated Hummingbird I was feeling much better after a good night's sleep, certainly not up to any strenuous hiking, but maybe well enough to make it to the next town. The bus ride to San Felix was only an hour and a half. My bird-finding guide mentioned that there was a hotel just before the junction at San Felix. We got dropped off and I walked up the hill to find a hotel under construction. I guess the old one had closed down. We walked a kilometre or two to the junction and then along another road under construction into the small town of San Felix. It was roasting hot and I was exhausted in my weakened state. We reached a supermarket and I bought some water. I asked if there was a hotel in town and was told the nearest one was a kilometre back along the road we'd just come. I double-checked with a taxi driver parked nearby and he said that there were rooms to rent just around the corner. What a relief. The room we checked into was basic but clean and only ten dollars. We went for a walk around the town in the evening to check out the transport for the next day and to buy some supplies for our day trip. It was our big day along the notoriously bad road to Cerro Colorado. A truck apparently left at 7am, so we left our room at 6am to give us plenty of time to walk the three kilometres to Supermercado Kevin, from where all the trucks left. With our destination being such a small mountain village, I imagined that most of the passengers would be indigenous, and so it was. Young, seemingly 13-year-old mothers with their dirty little boys with cheeky grins. The indigenous women and girls all wearing gaudy, baggy dresses in pinks, yellows and greens. The road started off okay. It was nice, flat gravel, but soon got bumpy and before long became a bit of a joke. The huge 4x4 Toyota Land Cruiser only just making up the washed-out road while we all got tossed around in the cage in the back. After about an hour in which we only made it 10 kilometers, we were all ordered to get out and pay a dollar fifty. I didn't know why until I saw the driver walking away from the vehicle with a steering wheel in his hands. I guess it had come off. We had to wait for another truck to come along, which took three hours. We sat in the shade of the truck while I scanned the skies looking for raptors. Beautiful swallowtailed kites with their long forked tails rode the thermals, while a huge black hawk eagle soared higher and higher, screeching constantly. Another truck eventually came along and the driver led us right up front. The driver pointed out the mountains on the horizon and told us their names. At Chami, we stopped for food and the guy even brought us over an extra plate and fork for my girlfriend. He was being extra kind. In the ramshackle restaurant was a young American guy with his Panamanian guide. They told us that there was a place to stay across the road for just two dollars. Maybe we could come back the next day. We got off a further six kilometres along and the driver tried to charge me $18 for the whole trip. I wasn't even sure how much it should have been, but I was pretty positive he was trying to rip us off. I said it was too much and he said we could discuss the price on the way down. I was in a bad mood for the whole walk down. The habitat was kind of dry forest and I saw some nice birds. It seemed to be under threat though and there was evidence of habitat destruction all over. Making charcoal is one of the few ways local people can make any money. I flushed a large bird with a long tail, and when it perched nearby I saw it was a mangrove cuckoo with its diagnostic creamy belly and plain-coloured wings. They're normally very difficult to see, and it was a little unusual to have one up in the mountains like that. We made it back to the town just as it started raining, and we ran under the shelter of a little shop. We boiled a bottle of coke and some Cheetos to break a note to give us more bargaining power. When it stopped raining we walked back along to the bus stop, where we had to wait another hour before the guy came back down with his empty truck. While we were waiting, I asked another driver the price back to San Felix and worked out roughly how much we owed him. Only about eight dollars, I thought, 
certainly not more than ten. When he pulled up, I was just about to tell him I would pay diez dólares, nada más, when he told me I should pay eight dollars. We quickly got in the front. There was no tour guide service on the way down. It's strange, but I started feeling sorry for the guy. We stopped for some indigenous women, one with a tiny baby, so we let them ride up front. They didn't even say thank you. It was almost dark by the time we got back, and we went for a cheap Chinese meal. It had been a long day. We were going to try and take the 7am truck up again to Atochami, this time with all our stuff and hopefully stay a night or two. It was three kilometres to Supermercado Kevin from where we'd left, and we didn't fancy walking with our heavy bags, so we flagged down a taxi. We arrived with plenty of time to spare, so went for a coffee and a bite to eat in the same cafe across the road as the day before. We paid for the tasty potato things we'd had, but she didn't have any now, only tamales, crushed corn steamed in a leaf. I ordered two of them, but they weren't very nice, and I only managed to finish one with a combination of politeness and determination. The woman asked if my girlfriend didn't like it, and I lied and said she wasn't feeling well. She kindly wrapped it for me, and I put it in my bag, in which it was to fester for a couple of days. We walked across the road to see if any trucks were leaving yet. I asked one driver with a dodgy little moustache, and he said there wasn't one until 10.30. I asked, no hay a las siete? He told me that there weren't enough people. We'd have to wait a few hours. By 9.30, enough people had showed up, and we all piled on. My girlfriend got a front seat. After we were all settled and ready to go, the driver asked us very nicely to get out and wait for another. He said that there was a big family that wanted to ride together, and there weren't enough seats. I thought we might have to wait until the afternoon, but we managed to get going at 11.30. The five-hour wait had gone very quickly, but the bumpy ride for the next two hours did not. What a truly awful road. What a relief it was to get out and have some lunch. The ride down yesterday had been two dollars each. I gave the guy a five-dollar note and waited for my one-dollar change. He said that it was three dollars each and wanted another dollar. I was adamant I would only pay two. I'd had enough of people trying to rip us off the day before. The guy was insistent, and even asked all the indigenous people around us if it was three dollars. They all nodded grimly. I gave him an extra dollar. During lunch I asked the driver that had told me it was two dollars yesterday. He said it was three dollars up and two dollars down. Ah, now I see. I felt so embarrassed haggling over a dollar when all the people around me were living in absolute poverty. After lunch we moved into our four dollar room before heading out for a walk. A short distance up the road, we saw a venomous coral snake crossing the road. Before lunch, the heavens opened and they started pissing it down again. We ran down under the shelter of the same shop as yesterday and bought a sickly sweet fizzy orange drink and some bread for our hike the next day. The shopkeeper, like most people around there, were not very friendly. When the rain eased a little, we went back to our room, hung up our wet clothes and went for a nice hot coffee in the restaurant called Vision Dos Mil, Vision 2000 corrugated iron shack. I wrote up my bird notes and we played cards until it got dark. We chatted by candlelight before going to sleep at 8pm. How refreshing it was to be without electricity. We left after dawn and started walking up the high road towards the strung out settlement of Acha, which in my book said was one of the only places to see two Panamanian endemics, the glow-throated hummingbird and the yellow-green finch. The walk-up was very birdy and I was kept busy. The road wound round the side of Ceron Flores, and the views in the clear early morning got more and more spectacular as we climbed up. We could see the burnt treeless hillsides all the way down to the sea. It looked like a huge crumpled blanket. The bread we'd bought yesterday was covered with ants in the morning, so we had bought some more on the way up. We were feeling a little peckish and took out some to find spots of blue mould on it, 
We were left with just half a jar of peanut butter for the whole day, which my girlfriend ate with a spoon. I had the leftovers of yesterday's inedible tamales, which certainly hadn't improved with age. I saw lots of different hummer species during the day, and finally found the glow-throated hummingbird. The problem was that it was a female and looked very similar to another species. A bit further on, I found a beautiful male with its dark red metallic throat, which was a bit more distinctive. I also got a picture of a female feeding its young. There were plenty of flowering shrubs for hummers, but most of the forest had been cleared, probably by charcoal burners. I had been offered charcoal by a couple of people already. The spot mentioned in my book was nine kilometres from town before a big radio antenna. By the time we got there, it was 1pm and pretty quiet bird-wise. Just short of the spot, a truck came heading back down to Chami, and we decided to take it as the driver said it was the last one. My girlfriend wanted to leave tomorrow, but as we still hadn't seen the yellow-green finch, she agreed to stay another night. The ride down was really bumpy and uncomfortable, but still less effort than the way up. We went straight to Vision 2000, where the woman agreed to start cooking us some lunch. A little girl, no more than ten years old, came over with a baby in her arms. She was very curious about us, and we got to practice our Spanish a bit. She was called Kenya and was just nine years old. She was actually the younger sister of the woman in the restaurant, who we found out yesterday was only eighteen. The baby Janet was her daughter. Kenya was very sweet, and she stood there smiling at us all afternoon. Lunch was great, really tasty soup. The chicken we were served was very tough, and I could tell it was homegrown. No artificial growth hormones. I reckon it had a pretty good life strutting around Hatochami before it had been killed that morning, probably for us. Another lonely-looking chicken seemed to be searching for its lost friend, but in vain. With Kenya we talked about skin colour. She says she was chocolate, and my girlfriend was blanca. With all her effort in trying to get a tan, my girlfriend was a bit put out by this, so I proposed that she was more like café con leche, which the little girl found very funny indeed. Then came a real shock. If my girlfriend was blanca, then what colour did that make me? Azul, she said, blue. We had showers in the shack across the road before getting ready for bed at 8pm. We were pretty pissed off with the driver lying to us yesterday. He had said his was the last truck going down when clearly it wasn't. We should have stayed up there longer, gone as far as a radio mast to where the yellow-green finch had been seen. Then we might have been able to leave already. The driver had said that there'd be a truck going up at 7.30 in the morning. We left at 6am to get some birding in before jumping on the truck halfway up. It was windier than yesterday, and not as birdy, so we made good time. I did see an interesting migrant, though, a yellow-billed cuckoo. No bus came, and we ended up walking the whole nine kilometres uphill in just three hours. The spot mentioned in my book was a bend in the road with good forest on both sides. Once we arrived, it was just a matter of minutes before I saw a medium-sized dark-coloured bird hopping around. I managed to get one through my binoculars and saw the distinctive bright yellow thighs of the yellow-green finch. I breathed a sigh of relief, as I always do when I find one of my targets. A group of three of them flew across the road and started hopping on the steep bank on the other side. I snapped away with my camera every time one of them came into view. Then they were gone. We walked along to the radio antenna and admired the spectacular view. There was some habitat left nearby, but in the distance, treeless hills for as far as the eye could see. Beautiful, but an ecological disaster all the same. The sun was beating down on us, but the wind was so strong and we felt cold, so we started back down. Not a single vehicle passed us, so it looked like we would be walking the whole 18 kilometres. At least it wasn't raining. My stomach was starting to feel a little odd again. All we had to eat in the morning was biscuits and fizzy drinks. I couldn't wait for a nice big lunch. 
The 18-year-old mother was apparently having a shower, as Kenya told us, so we sat there rubbing our empty bellies until she came back to cook us a nice lunch of rice, beans and chicken, plus nice hot potato and chicken soup. We sat around playing cards and I wrote up my bird notes. Kenya was hanging around, smiling at us. We decided we wanted to give her something, so we gave her one of our spare Spanish-English dictionaries, which she seemed pleased with. Just as it started to get dark, there was a commotion down the road, and Kenya told us that two drunk men were having a fight. We went to have a look, and one of the guys tried to be macho and take his shirt off, but he was so drunk he couldn't quite manage it and got stuck halfway. The cheap candles we bought leaked wax from the side and went out in about ten minutes. We woke early, packed, and went to sit on the hill in front of the restaurant and wait for the truck to leave. A little garden emerald hummingbird was flitting from flower to flower nearby. The 18-year-old mother cooked us a breakfast of oily pancakes, a fried egg and coffee. Just as we finished, a truck rumbled down the road and we ran to get on. My girlfriend was delighted to be leaving and get back to civilization. I was a little sad. <laughs>